Today is ours. Let's live it. And love is strong. Let's give it. A song can help. Let's sing it. And peace is dear. Let's bring it. The past is gone. Don't rue it. Our work is here. Let's do it. The world is wrong. Let's right it. The battle is hard. Let's fight it. The road is rough. Let's clear it. The future fast. Don't fear it. Is faith asleep? Let's wake it. Because today is ours. Let's take it. Shall we begin? So yesterday on Monday, September 11th, um, I was walking with a friend at work who just wanted to talk. And we were just walking and I was like, you know, let's let's just go this way. And we're walking and we're talking and we're walking and we end up in the library at the school that we both work at. And I walk inside and I see Miss Mariama Curry with two gentlemen, one of which I recognize. And I'm like, what's going on in here? They're talking to our fifth and sixth grade students. And I go inside and I see that they're talking about civil rights in the Black Panthers. And I'm like, I'm staying. And I sat there for a while and I'm like, someone should record this. So I put out my phone and I started recording video. And afterwards, I went up to Miss Mariama Curry and the gentleman and I asked if they wouldn't mind um, staying behind an extra 10 minutes or so to talk to me for this podcast episode. And we ended up talking for 20, 25 minutes. I was so excited and so grateful that they were able to take the time. So to give you a little bit more background on the guests that we have in this episode, we have Ethan Ashley, Mariama Curry, and Lloyd Dennis. Ethan Ashley was born in Los Angeles. Um, he did obtain his Bachelor of Science in Political Science and his JD at the age of 22. He's always had a passion to change the school to prison pipeline. Ethan is a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. He created and still maintains the Black Male Leadership Program called New Orleans Black Male Achievement Network. Recently elected to the Orleans Parish School Board and represents District 2 and is the proud co-owner of J.E. Howard Ventures, which is an investment company that specializes in community development. And he is a member of Franklin Avenue Baptist Church. So to give you some background on Mr. Lloyd Dennis, he's a graduate of St. Augustine High School in New Orleans, Louisiana. He served as the sound and light technician for the historic Free Southern Theater in New Orleans. He entered the Air Force during the Vietnam era. And from his first child's birth during his military service, he's become an accomplished photographer, which he's been published nationally and internationally. And by the way, he is completely self-taught. From 1999, April 1999 to the fall of 2003, he brought his insights about relationships, children, and community to the WODT audience on the Love Doctor show, which I love the name, which was a weekly show. And he authored His Way Works, which is a book that I will post on the website for Say It With Your Breast. He has also produced several documentaries about Katrina's impact. And as a filmmaker, he has contributed to the conversation also about education reform in New Orleans, producing a history of public education in New Orleans, as well as 
focus on success, which is a film that investigates the inner working of four diversity-governed open admission public elementary schools in New Orleans. He does currently serve with Silverback Organization, which is the organization that um, does go out and mentor young men. Last but certainly not least is Miss Mariama Curry. She is the founder and artistic director of Kulu, which means children, and Akafu, which means adults, traditional African dance companies. According to Miss Mariama, African dance is her passion and her love. She says, I love African dance. I love putting my people's stories on stage. We have a lot of stories to tell. I love my university, Jackson State University, and that's where I learned a lot of life's lessons and met my bestest friends. I'm telling y'all, she goes hard for Jackson State. Her favorite quote, all power to the people because it's the people's power. So let's get this conversation started. Without getting too deep, what I want you to understand is I can use a photograph to make you feel any way I want. I can make a, I can show you a photograph and you will feel happy. You know what I'm talking about? I can show you a photograph and it'll make you feel sad. I can show you a photograph that'll make you go, ooh. Photo photographs go through your eyes. Your eyes are not connected to any part of your brain that thinks. It, it has this, it's actually insulated from the front of your brain is where you think. Your eyes, the ner optic nerve goes right to the middle of your skull and, it, and it's connected to what's called the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus doesn't think, it just feels. So through your eyes, I can make you want something I can make you feel something. And that's why photographers, does everybody understand that? Yeah. yeah. I, on television, they, they, they show you a, a, a picture that's really juicy food. And what happens? You get hungry, right? So I want to prove something. I want to prove something to everybody. Anybody in here ever watched a movie and cried? So, so listen, I want, I want you to think about this for a minute. Young people? Young people. You know it's a movie. You know those are actors. If you went to the movie, you know that's a flat screen. But I can still make you cry. And you know it's not real. That's how powerful photography is. My name is Curry. I am a performer, particularly in the art of traditional African folklore. I'm also a Jacksonian, Jackson State University, <laughs> which I love so dearly. Mm, we know. <laughs> uh, I have a son that's 29 years old who unfortunately moved to Southern and Baton Rouge, but it's okay. But I love teaching, and mm. I was the youngest female member of the Black Panther Party. Yeah, I was 14. Wow. Uh, my name is Lloyd Dennis. I'm uh, C chief cook and bottle washer for the Silverback Society, uh, <laughs> which is a group of men that, that work in schools mentoring and, and provide manhood training to boys. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and uh, I'm a radio talk show host and uh, former photojournalist. So that's who I am. Uh, I'm Ethan Ashley. I am the son of a single mother um, and grandmother who was an educator, teacher, uh, and I'm currently an elected official. I'm a school board member in New Orleans, and I also work as a director for a nonprofit, civil rights nonprofit, the Urban League. And you guys just spoke to our, was that fifth and sixth grade? Mm -hmm. Fifth and sixth grade students. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I wish mm -hmm. we did this like on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like they grasped the understanding of the history of civil rights to some degree, whether locally within the state? Do you feel like they are receptive as like the new younger generation or, or does it sound more fantasy than reality to them. Like, I think there's some terminology that they need to know the definitions of. Do mm -hmm. you really know what the civil rights movement is? What does that mean? What does civil rights mean? What does segregation mean? Um, those kinds of things, I think they really need to know and understand before they, they're able to connect it mm -hmm. together as knowing what these terms mean. And then once mm -hmm. you know what those terms mean, then you can start connecting. Mm -hmm. I think they understand, but that connection, I don't think is fair. Because yeah. if I say define civil rights, you know, to me, how many of you guys can define civil rights? Mm -hmm. How many of you guys can define segregation? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. And then you can start connecting. Okay, well, this happened, and this happened, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Race didn't exist until they needed race to create slavery. There was no such thing as race. If, if, you, if, if they wanted to refer to you, if you go to the Bible, there are black people in the Bible, but they're not called black people. If they're from Ethiopia, they're called Ethiopian. If they're, you know, they are, they are given the name, if they're can, Canaan, they're Canaanites. You're given the name of the country that you came from. Race was invented so that one group of people could justify creating slaves with another group of people and stealing their land. And stealing their land. Because America was stolen from Indians. There were people already here. So race really didn't exist. If, 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 if we were in the 12th century, they wouldn't know what you were talking about if you said race. They'd think you were talking about horse racing or something like that. So it was invented to justify slavery. And that's important for you to understand. That was the, up until that point, people was just people. They just had different skin color. They were from different places. Then we all have to organize ourselves and fight to get that treatment changed. But a human being is a human being. There is no such thing as race. All right, y'all got that? You, that was a great question. You know, the reason that you asked the question around why whites tease blacks because of their color, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a multifaceted answer. I'll tell you, a lot of it has to do with power and oppression and to make us not love ourselves in a way that 
we can't truly understand who we are and whose we are. And I'll tell you that we, that's why I told you guys about laugh, about LOL. What is it again? <laughs> that we must love ourselves in order to truly understand how, who we are and whose we are and the power that we have. But we're very powerful people. And if we knew that and we loved ourselves and really organized ourselves, how, wait, how do you start a movement? What's the first one you need? You need a what? Plan. What's the second thing you need? What's the third thing you need? What's the fourth thing? And then we can change the world. Y'all believe in young people? Are there some recommended readings for young people, even their age, younger or older, um, that, or even with their parents, or things that their parents can read that any of you recommend? Yeah, I, I love the, the book by Michelle, um, by, by Michelle Alexander, uh, the, the, the New Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great book. Uh, enjoy reading it. I, I also enjoy um, the book, The Warmth of Other Sons, uh, that speaks to the diaspora of African Americans from the South to the North, the West Coast, uh, and the East Coast as well. It's really good books. For me, it, it was interesting that uh, the book that really opened my eyes was, was not written by a black person, black like me. Mm. It's mm. where a European took on blackness and was blown away by his, his the experiences. He, he had never imagined that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was something that, that kind of got my, me going uh, mm -hmm. back in the day. I asked that too because I um, Black Like Me was a book that my mom had up in a mm -hmm. shelf mm -hmm. in the back um, of our house. And I just, as a kid, I just loved to read. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one book that was I saw the cover of. And I was like, this is interesting, um, even as a child. I've seen some kids talk about and have lots of questions about why black people have been treated so differently and continue to be treated differently. I know that we aspire for that change to happen sooner than later. Do you feel like it's happening? Do you feel, I mean, you've experienced the real, the realness of hatred in America. Do you feel like we've come any further, really, or has it just changed form? It's, How do we give them hope as young people? Well, it's obvious that there's certain progresses that we've made. So, so it's not illegal to be Agreed. black anymore, except in the case of some police, because you still get, you can still get stopped for driving while black. But they're, they're, in terms of how people are in, internalized, I don't know if that's much has changed. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if, if a whole lot has changed. Uh, racism is it, so deep in, in this culture uh, and so deep into the history of, of, of this society, of, the, of actually almost the world, that I don't know if, it's, if it can be extracted. It's so much of a belief system, uh, it, it, even within black people. We have these internally realized racial things. Um, I don't, I really don't know. What I propose is that we just become res as, as resilient and as strong, as powerful as we can, so we can deal with it. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Sh I, I still raise my my children with the concept: you have to be twice as good. Mm -hmm. uh, and and tell you the truth, it ain't that hard. 
because the people who have the privilege don't have to work that hard. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that you can be twice as good. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of my, my 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 take is that don't don't bet your. I hope so, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna bet the life my life or the life of, of the young people that I can own this concept that everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. Did any one of us do a boycott? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So when uh. Yeah, uh, yeah, we did a boycott. Uh, so remember, I told you the story about um, um, the, uh, Jerome Smith who got beat up because he sat at a lunch counter? Well, shortly thereafter, African Americans in the city organized a boycott. And they stopped shopping at the department stores. They stopped shopping at the department stores. In other words, even if you needed shoes, you just didn't go buy shoes at the downtown shopping stores. You went on this other place on Drive Street and you would buy your stuff there because on Drive Street, they would let you try them on. For a long time in the department stores, they wouldn't let black people try on clothes. The only way, the only way you could put the clothes on is you have to buy them. And then they wouldn't let you bring them back. But on Dryad Street, they used to treat us a little differently. So yes, we, we participated in the boycott, and the boycott was successful. And at the end of the boycott, uh, the stores started treating people more or less the same. I'm boycotting right now. I'm boycotting the NFL because of Colin Kaepernick. There I you go. The way they're treating him is right. ridiculous. Me too. Right. So I'm boycotting right now. Do you think that education is responding to this energy in America right now? Are we just kind of sitting back and watching it or and talking about it? Or are we even talking about it? Because this is probably, I know that this has been done before in our school and we've tried to have certain conversations with kids before, but it's not, it's not the norm. It's not, um, are we, are we doing enough or? Uh, I, I will start by saying, I don't think we are as responsive as we need to be in terms of um, being able to provide our young people with the information that they need uh, in the context that they needed and also the access to the people uh, Mm -hmm. who are historians within the community uh, to be able for them to be able to tangibly understand what is taking place. I think the other issues that, that exist beyond our inability to be as responsive as necessary is really around like I don't know of a nation that exists uh, where capitalism is 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 the the current system where there isn't an oppressed class of people and understanding that truth how do you and how do we do a good job of being able to show oppressed class of people what it is that they should be striving for when no utopia exists in this world. And so when you talk about the dynamics of power, power isn't something that is given up lightly. It's normally taken. And the way in which the folks who are fighting for power, including myself, oftentimes depict the 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 shift of power is very friendly, very like, just give it to me. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. to, to ask for power, uh, you know, you have to understand that people died 
for for the right to take or own other people and to now say, well, you know, this is just let's talk about equity. Uh, well, the system wasn't built to be equitable. It was built for oppression. It was built for there to be an underclass of people. And so how to but as chosen people, as African-Americans, how do we ensure if we do, in fact, fight for power and gain power, how do we become uh, a, a more evolved society where we're not trying to oppress people, but really seek to elevate people on a, on a platform of equality where there is, in fact, a first birth of a, of a, of a utopia-like mm-hmm. society? I think that's a really difficult, um, those are complex ideas Mm -hmm. to be able to like uh, integrate within young people. But it's things that I think we do need to get to, Mm -hmm. but it's talking through the the rise and fall of nations and having people understand. And a lot of it is exposure. We need more Mm -hmm. folks taking trips to to different countries and different spaces. I think the first time I was exposed to something different was when I lived in South Africa um, and having the opportunity to see apartheid um, Mm. when I was in law school and see the effects of that Mm. uh, on a community and society. But I don't think unless you get that exposure, it's really difficult to understand in a tangible way. Yeah, make it real. Yeah. I I also think that truth needs to be told. particularly on the historical side. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody talk about Africa and, and, you know, how we got here. The question becomes why we were brought here mm-hmm. and understanding that a lot of us were stolen. Some of us were not. Mm-hmm. But those of us who were sold were sold on a, a false pretense. Mm-hmm. So I think the historical aspect of it needs to be told. I don't think I know it needs to be told. It needs to be clear and truth needs to be told. You know, I look at the Ku Klux Klan and for me, that's their right. If that's the way you feel about your people, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But just deal with truth. Just deal with the fact that your people stole this country. Mm -hmm. Your people enslaved people. Your people used people. Your people treated people like dogs. Your people didn't give people the right. You wanted to kill people because they didn't look like you. Just tell the truth. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you tell the truth, a lot of things can be accomplished. Um, You have to Mm -hmm. read. You have to research. You have to study. You have to know. Mm -hmm. History is very, 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 very important. Mm -hmm. What's happening now that I see is that our history is not being told. When I was Um. in school, you know, we talked about books. You know, reading. We had to read black voices. Had to. We had to read black voices. Mm -hmm. We had to read The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. Mm -hmm. I was a junior in high school reading these kinds of books. You know, I don't see that happening with the children now. Not at all. They would not have any idea. You have to read. And and, and not only did we read, we discussed Mm -hmm. what we read. How did you feel about this? And how did you feel about that? And, you know, what do you think about that? Discussions and through these discussions, you attain understanding, but you have to tell the truth. You can't. Mm-hmm. And what I what I find a lot is happening now is that you sweep it under the rug, and we're afraid to have certain conversations. We're afraid to speak your feelings, mm-hmm. even though this is how, like I said, the KKK. This is how you feel. I respect that, but it has to be reciprocated, mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen. It doesn't. And so you know, conversations 
about race relations are not being held because the majority of the people are afraid. Mm-hmm. On both sides. On, on, all bo- sides. on both sides. Yeah. Exactly. People are upset about Colin and him taking the knee. My take is, first of all, my country tears of thee, I pledge allegiance, the preamble. None of that was written with African-American people in mind. Let's be clear and let's understand that and let's know that that was not written with us in mind. So the question becomes, so if I feel this way, why am I looked down upon because I choose not to stand? It's not Mm -hmm. written with me in mind. Mm -hmm. When was it written? In I was like kicked out of a class yeah. for not standing. And I'm like, you can't be serious. But you also, you are also violating my First Amendment of freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. That I don't have to stand. So now because you violating, you violating my First Amendment freedom of speech, now you want to, mm-hmm. you know, put me on the back burner. But right. I have that right. So right. you're saying and who's one generating thing and you're the money for this team. Yes. You we know, are. It's, you, you, the, you know, our children, I think, suffer a lot because... They don't get understanding. They don't get an opportunity to discuss. Mm-hmm. They don't get an opportunity to no. say how they feel. They don't get an opportunity to really know how this thing really, really, really go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But, uh, so what I find interesting is that what we just did uh, with these children, uh, they were they were in. Mm-hmm. They were in. Yeah. They were interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it provides motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, when, when, when children get to believe that they are important, mm-hmm. that, that they are, they, they can do things, that they and can, they can organize, and they yeah. understand, they understand that process. They got a little taste of that today. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm watching these kids like, okay, mm-hmm. so now this is why you learn. Mm-hmm. So this is why you learn. So mm-hmm. the four things that you did, yeah. that's why you learn. You know, we want kids to learn, and but we're not giving them any motivation. And and, and what the other thing passion. that occurred to me is nothing that we did today will be tested. Mm-hmm. And that's really crazy because what we did today is the stuff I remember mm-hmm. that turned me on mm-hmm. when I was mm-hmm. a, a kid. That yeah. made me that made me want to learn. Exactly. Maybe made right. me want to read. Right. Exactly. It activates something right. in it you act- when you activate. have a purpose behind. Right. The task. What what we do now is we we just what what we're doing in education now is trying to turn turn out people who can perform tasks. Yeah, with no purpose. Who can read? No purpose in life. Who can calculate uh, and and understand technology? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And but but people who don't have whose souls don't understand why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, and that's true because. When I was young, my first, my first African-American history, I was in the fifth grade, Miss Dorothy Moe, St. John of All. She, she taught us about Harriet Tubman and all these people. And so I went home, I was like, Daddy, Daddy, I read about Harriet Tubman and, and um, Mary McLeod Bethune. He said, you know what, you do research, you're going to have more. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And then it started opening up a whole world to me mm-hmm. about all of these African-American people who did things. And so mm-hmm. my world became African-American. Okay, right. the Nat Turners and the ML Kings and the Coretta Scott Kings. That became my world because I realized that my people Amazing. did something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
You're talking about school integration. Uh, I didn't, I never went to an integrated school. I went to all black school all my life. Uh, when, when I got towards the end of my high, about, yeah, towards the end of my high school, the integrated school. So I guess I could have went to Holy Cross and stuff. When I was a kid, I couldn't go to Holy Cross. I couldn't go to Holy Cross. I went to a black Catholic school, St. David in the Ninth Ward. Then I went to St. All. But, uh, but the people who did integrate, miss, the people who did integrate the schools, and that happened when I was young, that was the truth. The, they had the, the, the police had to protect them. And they did have people calling them names and spitting on them and stuff like that. Took very, yeah. Took very special people to do that. So my last question was, what is their message to young women? What is that special magic in them that they have that can activate, that can motivate, that can really bring about change? We stand behind our men. Mm-hmm. You look at Coretta Scott King. You look at Betty Shabazz. You know, when we talk about civil rights, we always talk about the men. Yeah. But we don't talk about the women behind these men. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about the Coretta Scott Kings. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about the Betty Shabazz. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, my particular sensitivity is like the opportunity to create greatness mm-hmm. um, in, with children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think yeah. the, the, the role a mother has not gotten the credit that it should be given uh, mm-hmm. because because the, the, we, we, we we're trying to do this the great grade level reading thing yeah. mm-hmm. and they're talking about I'm saying you know why don't let's let's empower mothers mm-hmm. let's help mo- young mothers understand mm-hmm. the power and what works with children uh, whenever I talk to, to young women I say that there's a couple of things I like to tell them I say read to your children Read to your children. Read to your children. They will become brilliant people. Another thing I say to them is, is that whatever a mother says to a child about a child, the child believes. That's true. So if you want brilliant children, tell them how brilliant they are. Uh, and, and one of the things, that, and I, I teach this, is that if you want to correct a child's behavior, use this phrase. I know you can do better than that. I know you can do better than that. So it's a correction, but it's not a put down. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, it's an expression of, of expectation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're actually telling the child, I believe you in can. you. Mm-hmm. And, and so motherhood and rearing children in that first in that in the first year, that is such a powerful thing. And, and as a society, we've like put that down. So, so I, I, you know, uh, yeah, just get that right. Yeah. And it's a joy. Uh, yeah. I, I, your, your children will either be your greatest joy <laughs> or your deepest pain, and there's very little middle ground. Yeah. So, it's, so that investment, no matter what you've done with your life, you, you, you are, if, if you have a child, you are blessed with a second opportunity at greatness. Mm-hmm. There is is something about womanhood that 
just transcends like life itself. And, and what I mean by that is there has been many of kingdoms that have been built and have fallen <laughs> due to womanhood. <laughs> and and I, I want to acknowledge my own truth with this. Uh, many people, there's a, a story that um, that is true to myself that I finished high school at 16. I was 15 my senior year. I was I graduated uh, two months after my 16th birthday. And many folks don't understand, and this is this is the truth. I usually tell it when I'm in, in rooms with all boys, and I tell them <laughs> my truth about this. That the reason that I started going to um, uh, college, I started college before I started high school. The reason I did that was because there was an older girl that I was trying to impress, <laughs> that I wanted to True spend motivation. time with. True <laughs> motivation. And it, it, it is a it is a sad truth mm-hmm. that like that is what in, that that is what sparked my ability to understand how brilliant I was Mm -hmm. as a black boy. Mm -hmm. Her womanhood put me in a place where I wanted to learn and show out for her Mm -hmm. in a way that I actually ended up doing better in the class (laughs) than her. I ended up finishing relatively early. And I'll never forget not only the joy that that, that it brought me from that moment, but then the joy brought my mother, Mm -hmm. which is another woman in my life and so mm-hmm. it was it was that joy as a man to be able to say this my my, my steps have been ordered in this way and so yeah. there's something about womanhood that will people will follow men will follow mm-hmm. to, to the ends of the earth and sacrifice <laughs> so much just yeah. to be able to uh, feel like we have done something to please this thing because there is something uh, like there is something maternal about it. There's something like motherly, Mother Africa. There's something about them that owns this world. But they have to walk like queens. Yeah. Exactly. They have to walk like queens. Yeah. They have they have to step through the world like they own it. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, they have expectation uh, that they they have value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to walk like queens. And my last question, what for the women, not, I'm not going to say for the women, um, for those women who may not feel their queendom, what is your message to them? How do they find it? How do they rediscover it if they've lost it? You have to love yourself. And you have to know from once you came and who you are. You have to love yourself. I don't, I've always been me. I'm me, regardless to where I am or who I'm in front of, whatever. And I've been with the richest of the richest people to the poor of the poorest people, you know. But I've always been me. I had a cousin who was married to Walter Payton. And we were around all these people with all this money and da 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 And she and I, we're a lot of like, we don't care about all of that. We're not trying to put on ass because we're at this event with all of these rich people. Mm-hmm. We're just us. This is all we know how to be. Mm-hmm. We do want to look good. We do want to smell good. But we want to represent the fact that we are African-American women. But all this other stuff, we don't care. I've had friends who are very, very poor. I'm still me, mm-hmm. regardless. Um, I walk around the school like this all day. I'm mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. me. You know, you, you have to be yourself, but you have to have self-pride and you have to have self-love. And when you don't love self, then you got to figure it out. 
So the way, the way I put it is, nobody can do you better than you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So do you. Understand you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, learn you. Yeah. Learn you. Yeah. And do you. Do you. You know, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of young people, period, are trying to do somebody else. Exactly. You know, exactly. just do you. There's value you. you. There's something you can do better than anybody else on the planet. Mm-hmm. Find out what that is and do you. Because mm-hmm. accomplishment is where mm-hmm. self-esteem comes from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Accomplishment. Doing something, mm-hmm. and 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 you know that's where self esteem comes from. Because I argue mm-hmm. with people at schools, they self esteem. You can't give a kid self esteem, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but if you can coax a kid to do something, to mm-hmm. achieve something, they will It'll feel good about them. themselves. Mm-hmm. And then and then who you know who they're around. They they have so much coming at them in terms of what is perceived as beauty. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell the girls in here all the time, I said, you look around this room, everybody in this room is a different shade, mm. but we're beautiful. Mm. We're the only people that come in every shade <laughs> you want to think of. We come in that shade. Everybody's hair can't be long. Mm-hmm. Everybody's hair can't be short. You have to love what God gave you, and you have to make it work for you. I tell them that all the time. Mm-hmm. You have to love you. But again, going back to how you're being raised, that has a lot to do with it, too. You know, you have to raise your child to love who they are and to love the way God made you, mm-hmm. you know, to love your ancestors, you know, because you might have this big butt like, you know, great aunt down the road, mm-hmm. great aunt down the road had a big butt. You know, you have to love that <laughs> because this is a part of your ancestralism. Yeah. And you have to love that. This is the way God made right. you. But because they have so many things particularly the young girls that is being depicted as beauty, they're kind of like confused, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. you know. The only thing I can add to that is not having a fear of, of seeking um, professional help. Therapy mm-hmm. is, is necessary, and sometimes you can't figure it all out by yourself, mm-hmm. and you can't be ashamed of, of going to go see somebody who was trained to walk you through and figure out your ego, you know, your, your child ego state and walk you through some of the things that you need to, to heal. And mm-hmm. healing is real. We need to work on how we heal ourselves and one another. Uh, and then I also think that there is a space for the creation or need to have uh, just therapeutic groups, group mm-hmm. settings of, mm-hmm. of women being able to see women as at their best. Yeah. And, and being able to learn from women at their best. Yeah. And being mm-hmm. in, it, in that okay. setting will ultimately rub off and allow them to understand who they are and whose they are. Arrested. You had a trial here called the New Orleans 12. 
um, the Desire Project, where they came in with tanks and they wanted to kill everybody in the Black Panther Party. But the neighborhood, the people in the project, they were the ones who stopped that from happening. And so after they were found not guilty, we were all on Canal Street selling papers. And they came and said that we were inciting a riot and all kind of crazy stuff. So they put us all in the back. Can I add something to that, Ms. Mariama? Yes. The Black Panther Party was never a racial group. There's people who tried to, um, they tried to compare us to the Ku Klux Klan. There's no comparison whatsoever because we were not a racist organization. Everybody needs to understand this. The Black Panther Party was never a racist organization. We had people, European people who were who worked for us and who helped us to do things. So we were never a racist organization. And you know, folk always want to compare us to the Ku Klux Klan. It's, it's no way. It's no way. I think it's a foolish comparison, but Durain. Loud. My question is Yes, that's exactly right. And, I mean, to some degree, you know, we still deal with these issues of, of police brutality, and 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 that's. There was an earlier statement made about boycott. Um, and are, are you guys familiar with Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback who once played? who no longer is employed uh, and doesn't seem to be employable right now to the NFL. Are you guys familiar? Raise your hand if you say I'm familiar. Yes, I know what you're talking about, Mr. Ashton. Okay, for, for those who don't, Colin Kaepernick was a quarterback playing for an NFL team and he took a stand by taking a knee during the national anthem um, to uh, bring bring an acknowledgement to the police brutality that most um, Americans um, of of minority descent deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, and from that silent protest, he has now become, as most people understand, a martyr um, for the NFL. Uh, meaning that the NFL and the 32 teams that exist have no interest in hiring Colin Kaepernick because he protested the national anthem and in a silent manner. And, and so this truth, acknowledging that his protest was to bring acknowledgement to the police brutality that exists on, on a day-to-day -day basis uh, is, is one where if you, if you know the history of, of police brutality, that bringing acknowledgement to it is a huge issue. I'm, how, many guys are, how many guys are familiar with police brutality? We understand what police brutality is. You guys, how, how many of you guys are familiar with Trayvon Martin? How many of you guys are familiar with Tamir Rice? 
how many of you guys are, are familiar with Philando Castillo? Um, and you have a, a bunch of individuals. Yeah, Michael Brown. You have a bunch of young people, um, a bunch of people who, again, from minority descent, who have found themselves um, slain um, by police officers, and there has been um, little to no justice legally done to deal with these issues. And so I just wanted to make sure you guys understood why Colin Kaepernick has stood up to say that this is wrong, and he did so by taking a, by taking a knee during the national anthem because he was under the impression that there's no way that he would uh, salute the flag of an America 